Testing one, two, three. This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the practice of law. Now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert witness, an author and producer of these videos. Today, I'd like to talk about what happens when the counsel retained by an insurance company to provide a defense to an insured provides an incompetent defense. Judging by my contact with defense counsel seeking expert witnesses, there appears to be a growing trend in the United States where insurers file malpractice suits against counsel retained to defend their insureds. When an insurer retains a defense counsel to represent its insured, only to find they are incompetent or committed malpractice in providing the defense rather than admit the error in choosing a poor lawyer for the insured, the insurer sues the lawyer for malpractice seeking reimbursement for the amount paid to indemnify the insured. Where the insurer retained defense counsel and there was no reservation of rights, courts have allowed the primary insurer to bring a cause of action against the attorney for malpractice, finding that the attorney represents the insurer as well as the insured where they have common interests. Insurance defense counsel must manage their potential exposure to suits brought against them by insurers who ask them to defend insureds. This should cause defense counsel to reevaluate the limits of their malpractice policies and to understand all the potential parties who may bring malpractice claims against them. Before this malpractice occurrence started happening, insurers always were loyal to their defense counsel and in exchange received reduced rates. Now, if there is a potential for being sued by your insurer client, insurance defense counsel must increase the rates at which they bill their insurer clients in order to be able to pay for higher limits in their malpractice insurance and to profit from the work they're doing. Insurers must recognize their own exposure with respect to claims of vicarious liability. They must also select it defense counsel with the utmost care and diligence because they may not be able to sue their chosen defense counsel if a mistake occurs. No lawyer is perfect. All lawyers can and often do make mistakes. No insurer is perfect. All insurers can and do make mistakes. Insurers need to make sure that the attorneys who represent their interests make appropriate disclosures to the insured's independent counsel if there is one, and to the insured if he has no independent counsel. 
In a case where Great American Insurance Company attempted to sue its defense counsel for providing an incompetent defense to one of its insureds, in a case called Great American versus Dover, Dixon, and Horn, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal brought relief to the insurance defense bar when it refused to allow the insurer to successfully sue counsel, retained to defend an insured, for legal malpractice. The Eighth Circuit found that the law of Arkansas only allows malpractice actions to be filed against those with whom the parties are in privity. The Eighth Circuit dismissed the insurer's argument that it was equitably subrogated to the rights of its insured and concluded, quote, given that the public policy of Arkansas is to shield attorneys from malpractice suits brought by parties lacking privity with them, that the insurance companies lack privity with the defendants and the appellants do not qualify for one of the two exceptions to the privity requirement, we conclude that the district court did not err by awarding summary judgment to the defendants, and in that case the insurer found to have no privity with the parties was defeated in its attempt to file a malpractice suit. The courts have allowed an excess insurer to sue because these carriers are only asserting the insured's rights to bring a malpractice claim. This does not expand defense counsel's obligations beyond what they already are. Similar result was reached in New York in Allstate versus American Transit Insurance Company, a 1997 case. An excess insurer is subrogated to the insured's rights against a primary insurer for breach of the primary insurer's good faith duty to settle. When there is no excess insurer, the insured becomes his own excess insurer and his single primary insurer owes him a duty of good faith in protecting him from an excess judgment and personal liability. If the insured purchases excess coverage, he is in effect substituting an excess insurer for himself. It follows that the excess insurer should assume the rights as well as the obligations of the insured in that position. In Britain versus Seal, the Fifth Circuit concluded that a malpractice action cannot be assigned. It prohibited any action by anyone not in privity to file suit for malpractice. Another Texas court specifically found that, quote, in Texas, the law is well settled that no attorney-client relationship exists between an insurance carrier and the attorney it hires to defend one of the carrier's insureds. Absent the requisite attorney-client relationship and the absence of any other alleged relationship, Safeway, the insurer, lacks standing to claim breach of fiduciary duty. Accordingly, the trial court did not err in granting summary judgment in favor of Clark and Gamble, the law firm, on this cause of action. Close quote. 
Some courts have equated a subrogation action with the assignment of a legal malpractice claim. Many state courts have rejected the ability to assign a malpractice claim on the basis that it undermines the sanctity of the attorney-client relationship. Other courts have found no right whatsoever of an excess carrier to bring suit against the attorney hired by the primary insurer on an equitable subrogation basis. These courts have relied upon the fact that an attorney's duty of loyalty is so overwhelmingly for the benefit of the insured that any liability of the attorney to an excess insurer forces the attorney to look over his or her shoulder and worry about how the excess insurer is going to view what is being done. The Louisiana Supreme Court has recognized that an excess insurer may become subrogated to an insured's rights against its primary insurer to assert bad faith failure to settle a claim, which ultimately results in the excess insurers making a payment on behalf of the insured. This was Great Southwest Fire versus CNA, a 1990 Louisiana case. A U.S. District Court in Virginia ruled that an insurer could sue a law firm for legal malpractice as a non-client beneficiary of legal services. The court noted that despite sharp doctrinal differences regarding the relationship between the insurer and the firm it retains, nearly all jurisdictions in the United States permits some form of legal malpractice action by an insurer against the firm it retains to defend an insured. This is General Security versus Jordan Coyne and Savitz, a 2005 case out of the Eastern District of Virginia. The district court concluded that permitting an insurer to sue the firm it retains allows the insurer to, quote, promote enforcement of the firm's obligations to the insured, despite the fact that the tripart relationship between insured, insurer, and defense counsel contains the rife possibility of conflict. Nearly all courts have concluded that the harms-benefit calculus weighs in favor of recognizing an insurer's legal malpractice claim against the lawyer or law firm it retains to represent an insurer. For example, in Century Select Insurance Company versus Maybach Law Firm, a decision out of the state of South Carolina, the Supreme Court in 2018 found that Century Select Insurance Company's legal malpractice lawsuit in federal district court against the lawyer it hired to defend an insured in an automobile accident case was a viable, and the trial court, un unable to find precedent in the state, asked the Supreme Court two questions. One, whether an insurer may maintain a direct malpractice action against counsel hired to represent its insured, and two, whether a legal malpractice claim may be assigned to a third party 
who is responsible for payment of legal fees and any judgment incurred as a result of the litigation. Century Select had hired Roy P. Maybank of the Maybank Law Firm to de defend a trucking company. Century Select insured in a personal injury lawsuit in state court. Maybank failed to timely answer requests to admit served by the plaintiff. Seven months later, Maybank filed a motion seeking additional time to answer the request, which the circuit court held under advisement until the parties completed mediation. Century Select claimed that because of Maybach's failure to timely answer the requests and the likelihood that the circuit court would deem them admitted, it settled the case for $900,000. When Maybach had previously represented a Century Select, it could settle in the range of seventy-five dollars to $125,000. When an insurer hires an attorney to represent its insured, an attorney-client relationship arises between the attorney and the insured, his client. Pursuant to that relationship, the attorney owes the client, not the insurer, a fiduciary duty. An insurance company that hires an attorney to represent its insured is in a unique position in relation to the resulting attorney-client relationship. Pursuant to the insurance contract, the insurer has a duty to defend its insured and must compensate the attorney for his time in defense of his client. If the insured settles or has judgment imposed against him, the insurance contract ordinarily requires the insurer to pay the settlement or judgment. Because of the insurance company's unique position, the answer to question one is yes, an insurer may bring a direct malpractice action against counsel hired to represent its insured. The insurer may recover only for the attorney's breach of his duty to his client, when the insurer proves the breach is the proximate cause of damages to the insurer. If the interests of the client are the slightest bit inconsistent with the insurer's interests, there can be no liability of the attorney to the insurer. The attorney's duty to the client may never, never be affected by the interests of the insurance company. As a final limitation on an insurer's right to bring an action against the lawyer it hires to represent its insured, the insurer must prove its case by clear and convincing evidence, which is more evidence than a mere preponderance and less than beyond a reasonable doubt. In the case before the Louisiana court, there appeared to be no risk that the decision will place the attorney in a conflict position or create any divided loyalty. The attorney's duty to his client includes the obligation to timely respond to requests to admit. The fact that an insurance company may suffer financial loss from an attorney's negligence in failing to timely respond to requests, and the court's recognition that the insurer may sue the attorney to recover this loss after settling the underlying case to protect the interests of its insured, do not in any way affect the attorney's duty to his client. 
I have personally, since 1972, defended insureds at the request of their insurer. I have lost insurance company clients by rendering advice contrary to the insurer's interest that was necessary to protect the, the client they hired me to defend. Although an insurer can sue the lawyer it hired to represent its insured for malpractice, I seriously recommend against it. Few lawyers will be willing to take on cases from that insurer. If the lawyer commits malpractice, he or she is not appropriate to defend insureds and should never be hired again. For the most part, courts have declined to acknowledge a direct client relationship between an excess insurer and defense counsel. As a result, some states have ruled excess counsel has no right of action at all. Indeed, in many states, courts have refused to acknowledge a client relationship between defense counsel and the primary insurer that hires counsel to defend its insured. Whether an attorney has an attorney-client relationship with an insurer that has hired it to represent a policyholder has been considered in several cases where insurers have sought to sue defense counsel for moral practice. In several of these cases, courts have ruled the insurer is not a client of defense counsel. In other cases, courts have found the reverse, and therefore, whenever the issue arises, it is necessary to determine what the law in the state where the case was tried or defended is, and that requires independent legal counsel, independent insurance coverage counsel before a suit is filed against a lawyer hired to represent an insurer's insured. This video was adapted from my book, Salma on Insurance Claims, Part 108, Second Edition, which is available as a paperback and a Kindle book from Amazon.com and can be found in detail along with all 10 volumes of Zalma on Insurance Claims at my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library. If you found this video interesting and useful to your practice, please refer it to your colleagues and subscribe to my blog and the YouTube channel so that you can be advised of future videos and future blog posts. Thank you again for your attention.